Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Suspense. Tonight, Suspense brings you Mr. Kirk Douglas as star. But first, a brief message from your announcer. In America's finest hotels and restaurants, wherever hospitality is the last word in luxury, the first name in wines is C-R-E-S-T-A. B-L-A-N-C-A. Cresta. Blanca. Cresta Blanca. When you proudly pour Cresta Blanca, California Burgundy, or Sauterne, you pay guests the most gracious compliment possible. For Cresta Blanca wines, from the finest of the vines, distinguish America's finest tables. That's why when you serve Cresta Blanca wines, you and your friends enjoy the best. Shenley's Cresta Blanca Wine Company, Livermore, California. And now, Shenley brings you... Radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense. Presented by Roma Wines. That's R-O-M-A. Roma Wines of Fresno, California. Tonight starring Mr. Kirk Douglas. In the story of Markham's death, a suspense play produced, edited, and directed for Shenley by William Spear. You say Phil Martin's run dry? Well, I didn't make it up. My wife got it from Ann. Hasn't written a word in six months. Yes, and I got it from Peterson, his publisher. They've dropped him from their spring list. Well, bye-bye, Dean of American Mystery Writers. I'm glad to see him go. Phil Martin. I thought that guy'd write from the grave. I don't understand it. I guess it happens to the best of us. Hope he saved his money, but I suspect he hasn't. Phil Martin run dry. I don't get it. I don't get it. No, I didn't get it either. Unless you border on that fringe of abnormality which marks you as a writer, you can't possibly understand the complete futility you feel when your talent is suddenly turned off like a water spout. I spent as much time staring at the blank paper in my typewriter as I ordinarily spent in writing an entire novel. Oh, Anne could sympathize with me because she loved me. But I didn't need Anne's stupid sympathy. Phil. Phil, darling, I- I'm sure it's only Temporary? Temporary? And I can't even write a decent ten-word telegram. And it's no use, Anne. I'm afraid I'm through. Oh, no, you can't be. Not anyone as great as you. Phil, maybe you've done too much. Darling, maybe you'll rest. Why, why don't you rest for a few months? I've been resting. Well, I, I mean, get away. Yes, that's my last chance, dear. I'm going to do just that. I'm going abroad. Abroad? Oh, honey, when are we going? We aren't going. I am. I... You're... 
Philly, is, is this a way of letting... I mean, you... Oh, don't worry, dear. I'm not running out on you. I'll just be gone for a few months. Oh, Oh, well, just a few months. Yes, alone. And I told you when I first met you, I'm a complex person. I'm difficult to understand. Yes, yes, dear, I know that. I, But I thought I understood you. Well, you can't. Nobody can. But I love you, Phil. And I love you, Anne, but that doesn't change matters. I'm going to England for a few months by myself. You don't have a thing to worry about. You keep your apartment and wait for me. The rent's paid through the first of the year. I'll be back before that. Anne Fleming was the beautiful, not overly intelligent type of girl I've associated with since my divorce. Her only family was a half-brother, a petty hoodlum whose habit of always wearing gloves won him the imposing nickname of Kid Gloves. That hadn't helped when he ran his car into a storefront, killing two people just a block from where he'd held up a tavern. Kid Gloves had gone to jail three months before I met Anne to serve 40 years for manslaughter and robbery. A very corny plot, the whole thing, including Anne. As I roamed around London, I thought maybe a visit in this city of great mystery tradition would be my answer. And it was. The second day, while wandering around aimlessly in the bombed out and still unrepaired section of Bloomsbury, I stumbled onto my last inspiration quite by accident. Say, uh, when was all this hit? Oh, right at the start of the war, sir. Oh, then this isn't V-bomb damage. Lord, no, Governor. As a matter of fact, the old house across the street had it the first time Jerry come over. Uh-huh. I'd almost say it was the first house to be hit in the war. Oh, well, did it take only one bomb to level it like that? Well, how many do you think it takes? They've cleaned it up a bit now. Old house, that, too. Built back in 1750. Hmm, really? Yeah, pretty well known. Lots of Yanks made their digs there, uh, before the war, that is. Uh, a Yankee writer stayed there once when he was here. Uh, what was his name, Ducky? Oh, E.P. Rowe. No, Poe, Poe. Oh, that, that's Poe? So you don't mean Edgar Allan Poe, do you? That's him, that's him. What, Edgar Allan Poe once stayed in that house? That's right, American writer. Acquaintance of yours? Well, well, hardly a contemporary. What? Oh, oh, nothing. My little Halbert was playing in the rubble there Tuesday last and dug out a box of junk. Maybe some of it was Mr. Poe's. Like to see it? Why, yes, certainly. Well, it's vaguely possible. I looked through the battered steel box. The woman provided me with a cup of tea as I spread the contents out in front of me. It was thrilling somehow to think that these dusty things perhaps had once belonged to the man who had invented the detective story more than a hundred years ago. As she went out and I replaced the trinkets, I snagged the faded, musty, gray satin lining of the box and accidentally tore it. Trying to get it back together, I only ripped it further. I put my hand under the lining to straighten it, and something fell out. It was a waterproof packet containing three yellowed sheets of paper written in a small, fine hand. At the bottom of the third page was the name Edgar Allan Poe. I slipped the packet into my pocket and returned the box. Oh, uh, find anything? No, just as you said, a lot of worthless trinkets. Oh, uh, by the way, I, 
I ripped the lining as I was putting everything back. Oh, that's all right. Oh, no, I'd like to give you something for your trouble and for my clumsy damage. Uh, here, and thank you so much. Five quid? Oh, I say, five quid. But the old thing probably ain't worth a thripney bit. Well, your time, your trouble, and your courtesy are, though. Thank you very much. But five quid? Oh, I say... Five pounds for an original Edgar Allan Poe manuscript. It was a short story written by Poe during his brief stay in England many years before his rise and subsequent fall. As I read and reread the manuscript, I realized that it was an experiment in a completely new mystery technique. Here, in effect, was what Poulty had never discovered in his thesis on the existence of only 32 basic dramatic situations. Suddenly, I realized I was the only one who knew this story that I could put it to better use than as a museum piece. Why, here indeed was the 33rd situation. Why, in my hands it could blossom forth as a novel, a film, a radio play. I was about to be reborn, and literary immortality was at my fingertips. I began writing in London and all the way back home. It took me six months to complete my work, and then, with everything finished, I burned the original Poe composition and sent the novel off to the publisher. Then I called Anne. Darling. Big success. Well, I've never been as confident of anything in my life. Oh, that's wonderful. They <laughs> said you were through. <laughs> I told you. A rest was all I needed. A change of scenery. I'm proud of you, Phil. I'm so proud. I'm glad. Maybe now you... Now, Phil, maybe maybe you'll think differently about things. I'm so glad. Phil, you aren't even listening to me. Huh? Oh, oh I, I'm sorry, dear. <laughs> oh, look, look, Anne. I'm going to be pretty busy for the next few weeks. Now, I won't be able to see you very often. I should think you'd have time now that the... Well, I haven't, but we'll see. We have a date tonight. Well, I'm going to the Mystery Writers' Banquet tonight. And tomorrow? Well, well, okay, but I'll come over for you at 8 o'clock, and for once, will you try to be ready on time? Every year on the anniversary of Edgar Allan Poe's birth... The Mystery Writers of America hold a banquet similar to the Academy Award Banquet. Instead of awarding Oscars, they give Edgars for the outstanding works of the year. All of a sudden, everybody was looking at me. Now I have a special Edgar to give. This special award goes to the first writer to discover a new and startling different approach to the mystery story since the death of our patron saint, the great Edgar Allan Poe himself. Philip Martin, for your novel, Markham's Death. Yes, a special Edgar for an idea plagiarized from Edgar Allan Poe. The end had justified the means, and I knew that the original manuscript was now only ashes. I was the only one who had ever seen it. I was completely happy and enjoying my victory after the banquet in the quiet of my own home. Mr. Martin? Yes, speaking. This is Dr. Selgrove. Uh, Dr. Selgrove? Yes, I'm head of the Academy of American Letters. I want to congratulate you, Mr. Martin. I was at the banquet tonight. Oh, well, thank you, sir. Uh, Well, yes, indeed. I've been uh, collecting data on Edward Allan Poe all my life. Uh, Your work was in the finest traditions of Poe. 
Well, that is the supreme compliment, Doctor. Uh, Mr. Martin, what did you find behind the lining in that steel box in London? What? It was you, wasn't it? Well, I don't know what you're talking about. Yes, in the truest Poe tradition. So much so that I have reason to believe your idea was once posed. Now, look, Doctor, I, I hope you haven't spread this misinformation around. Why, you're wrong, of course, but... Well, even the faintest suggestion could do me irreparable harm. If you mean, uh, have I been discreet, sir, I have, until now. Well, look, how do you want me to disprove this ridiculous accusation? I'm at the academy every day. I'll be there tomorrow night until 9.30. The doors close at 8, but I'll wait for you. That will be fine, doctor. I'll be there around 9. And as I set the receiver back on the hook... I wondered just how much he actually knew and what I would have to do to silence him. For Suspense, Roma Wines are bringing you Mr. Kirk Douglas in the story of Markham's death. Roma Wines' presentation tonight in radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense. Suspense, radio's outstanding theater of thrills, is presented by Roma Wines. That's R-O-M-A, Roma Wines, from the world's greatest reserves of fine wines. Now that autumn is here, you'll be spending more evenings at home, reading, listening to the radio, or entertaining friends. Now, here's an easy, delightful way to make the most of these pleasant hours. Simply serve delicious Roma California wines, such as glorious Roma Sherry, with its nut-like taste, ruby-red Roma port, or mellow Roma muscatel. Yes, you'll find that Roma wines really help an evening along. That's because Roma wines taste better. They have a full, rich body and fragrant bouquet you can find only in a fine wine. Tomorrow, give your family and friends a real surprise. Treat them to better-tasting Roma wines. That's R-O-M-A, Roma Wines, America's largest selling wines. And now, Roma Wines bring back to our Hollywood soundstage Kirk Douglas as Philip Martin in the story of Markham's death, a play well calculated to keep you in suspense. clock on the wall seemed drugged. They moved so slowly that day. My appointment with Dr. Selgrove was for 9 p.m. I was to be at Ann's at 8. I figured about 20 minutes would wipe that slate clean. Hello, honey. I'll be ready in a minute. I said I'd be here at 8. Oh, dear. It isn't 8 already, is it? Yes, it's after 8. Oh, I thought it was only about 7.30. I'll hurry. Well, there's no reason. Are we going out? No, Ann. We're not going out. As a matter of fact, we're never going out again. What? I'm sorry, Anne. This is the last time we'll see each other. But, but I... I when, Phil, I, I've, I've told everyone... Well, what have you told everyone? Well, that we were going to be married. Well, you shouldn't have. Did I ever say I'd marry you? No, I was married once and it doesn't work for me. This would be different. Oh, would it? I don't think so. You see, Anne, you're taking up too much of my time. But I wouldn't get in the way, Phil. You know you're that. You're also taking up too much of my thoughts. 
Well, I probably hit that bad slump a few months ago because of you. Phil. Oh, it wasn't your fault. It was mine for not realizing it. Phil, you, you, you really mean oh, to... Oh, now look. Uh, 